Six-Pack Lapidat, and today, <clears throat> this episode, it's going to be a little different. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot different. <laughs> let, me, let me explain the situation here. So, usually, it's either Paul Marinzan or Randy Cook. And uh, so, Randy's away on business, and that, that happens often. So, Paul's here. Yesterday... Paul, don't ever come in before I introduce. No, don't ever come in before I introduce you. Okay. <laughs> hey, who show is? Who fucking show is okay. this? Okay. Day one. What, what's going on here? Sorry, I'm a new. No. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'll get to that gentleman in a second. So, uh, Paul texts me uh, last night, and from the hospital, high on morphine. Now, Paul texted me on a Saturday night, high on morphine. Ah, that's a regular weekend. But him from the hospital doing this? What's going on, Paul? <clears throat> so apparently, warming up for deadlifts, he threw out his back. Something fierce. He said he felt something and immediately hit the ground, doubled over, hit the ground, was hurt. I'm like, on warm-ups? On warm-ups. I go, let me guess. You haven't even had your belt on yet. Correct, sir. So he's hot. Did you just say something? I didn't introduce you yet, sir. No. <laughs> This is, where I, this is where I established my alpha okay. um, in the podcast booth. So, so we'll get this rude gentleman in a second. Um, so Paul is texting, hi, I'm Morphine. And I'm like, my friend, what kind of weight were you using? Warm-up weight. And I'm like, well, there goes Paul. First off, yeah, today for the podcast. Second off, what's going to happen for the Canadian National Championships? He, he's training for... And because uh, we're four weeks out, it's roughly it's real close to the same time as the Arnold Classic. So there you have it. I'm scrambling. I get a hold of Robbie Little, who's my mobility guy, who's all of the King of Lift um, team's mobility guy. Works with a lot of athletes in the area. <clears throat> knows a lot about. He power lifts as well. So he's a knowledgeable cat. And uh, I said, can you can you hop in here for me? And Robbie Little steps up to the plate, ladies and gentlemen. Robbie Little. Hello. There you go. Yeah, third string guy. There's the third stringer <laughs> yeah. coming coming yeah, up from the minors. Right. That's yeah. right. That's right. The third stringer. We're we're, we're going to give you a shot here, son. Yeah. We're going to give you a shot Thank here, you. son. This is the bigs. Okay. So, um, and, and I think me and you were talking about how, like it it can be. It's sometimes is the warm up weight you don't take for granted because a you're not when you go for. I was just saying earlier, if you're let's say 315 pounds. For Paul, 315-pound deadlift would be nothing. That's warm-up. It's nothing. Now, let's say he's at work. There's a 315-pound box of something, a 315-pound cabinet or some shit. And they said, Paul, can you move that for us? You're a power lifter. He's going to be like, whoa, that's fucking heavy. Like, like, let me attack this. Let me take this serious. But for some reason, when we're in the gym, because we're used to certain lit like we're used to moving certain weight you take it for granted now when you're set up like a deadlift proper and the plane of motion and you're you're tight you're braced 315 will move super easy that's why it moves super easy but there's an element of not super giving a fuck and and not bracing like you should and then that's when bad things happen i think yeah when you're thinking about that end weight and yeah, you're, you're not gonna take the time to breathe or brace yourself or anything. It's a joke way for you. Yeah. I, like I'm not gonna lie, I've done it myself. I've, I almost every time I felt something was when I was uh, it, it was warm up weight. 
Because you don't brace yeah. the sled. You're not going to... Like, when I'm at my top weight, the breath I take when I do the inhale and the tightness I get, like, it's it's a whole other level. It's like that weight we gets heavier, the more serious I take it. On the flip side, if it's if it's too lax, my friend, you can't pull 315 off the floor without a tight yeah. gore. If it's not tight enough, that's what happens, right? So, yeah. I wasn't there when this happened to Paul. Maybe he did, and this, this shit is just one of these things that's going to happen anyways. Um, like, he might have been tight as a drum. Who knows? Yeah, sometimes you ignore at those lighter weights. You start to ignore, like, that feeling. Like, maybe he had a little bit of tightness in his back or in his hips or something. You, and then when, when you're doing a workout, then you usually ignore that. Because then you think, well, i got to get this done. <laughs> uh, okay, also, guilty. All, uh, when I'm warming up, I don't, like, so, especially for deads. Here's something that I find. If it's squats, I take my time to warm up. When it's bench... Also, like, I'll belt off a bunch of reps, plate aside, whatever the shit. When it's dead, one plate, two plate, three plate, four plate. Yeah. And, then, and, and I mean, sometimes, like, how many reps at one plate? It, it's like three reps? Like, no. That's, that's nothing. That's yeah. not going to fucking... So you're going to have four... Like, if you have, like, five or six reps total and you're already at 500 pounds, that's not how it works with your squat. Usually you're going to go a lot slower. Um, and I have, like, warm-up drills I do. For deads... I think people are more likely to do the old one plate, two plate, three plate, four plate, oh, yeah. and then top weight. It's and, and yeah, because you're, you're just, it's just the way we are. We're impatient. Yeah. And, but the, okay, that's fine. How many reps are you doing one plate? Can you do 10, please? How many reps are two plates? Can you also do 10? Just, and there you go. We're, but sometimes, and I, again, I'm not saying this is what Paul did, but it opens the discussion, yeah. right? I wasn't there, and I don't have the yeah. video. If I did, I'd be like, Paul, what the fuck, yo? <laughs> but maybe he did everything right and it still happened. And that can happen, right? Yeah. Hopefully someone threw more weight on the bar after. Maybe, well. Like 700 pounds on Exactly. There. When people look over and, <laughs> hey, homeboy's doubled over. What's going on? You're absolutely right. A true training partner loads the fucking bar to 700 mm-hmm. and says, we have a problem. Yeah. My man was going for a PR. And he goes, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. And then you say, excuse me, pardon me, you didn't let me finish. A PR triple. Excuse me, pardon me, you didn't let me finish. He was going for a PR triple. Got the first two, threw himself out on the last. Well, that's how the story's supposed to go, right? Like, what's the saying? If I ever die in that squat rack, you better fucking load an extra 300 pounds on the bar and then call 911. That's code, yeah. Okay, is that not code? That's, that's, that's code, right? So anyways, that is the story with Paul Marinzan, the marinara man, and um, my man Robbie Little in here. And uh, also, on the flip side, Kathwee, also a member of the King of Lifts team, uh, also prepping for Canadian Nationals. He's the Canadian National record holder, 83 kilo for the deadlift, uh, just shy of a 700-pound deadlift on this kid, and it moved smooth like he could double it. So we're a little excited what he's going to do. Uh, probably, I mean, he might be the first Canadian 83 kilo lifter to deadlift into the 700s. Uh, not a shitload of those guys floating around in the world, actually. Probably maybe five-ish in competition. Whatever. I don't know. Somewhere around there. But anyways, Kathwee was doing a practice water cut. And uh, we talk about, if you're going to do water cuts for a competition, please do a practice. Oh, yeah. So, you, you know, like, doesn't it just make sense? I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking wait until I travel and then, and then do it for the first time ever bad shit shit doesn't always go as shit never goes as planned actually in life i found maybe that's just my life but 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 you know what i mean like for for almost anything i i feel more comfortable in that situation so kathwee in terms of this 
Um, we had him do a water cut, and thank God we did. We were, he was floating around buck 90, buck 89, around buck 90. Needs to get down 182.5 pounds. With the water load, etc., um, we wanted to see how much water would he lose. Turns out, three and a half pounds-ish. Two and a half pounds, three and a half pounds range. That's not much. I will lose at least five. You don't know until you do it. Depends on how your body reacts. Everybody's how different. Yeah. It's weird because everyone is different, right? Yeah. Like your your body is very sodium sensitive. Your body, when we water load you, you're like a sponge. You take it, but sometimes you don't release it. Everyone's different. You have to tinker with things. How many carbs did you have? Um, there's, all, there's a million factors, and you got to work it out. Just like anything, data is key. Um, so... Told Calf, we, all right, my friend, he's never had a had to sweat it out. So I said, get your sweat, get get your sweats, get, uh, you know, get your swimsuit, because you're not going buck naked into my tub. But um, right now, I have a young gentleman uh, in my tub, okay? And again, any given night, that's just fucking normal normal day for me. My, that's, a, that's a fucking party a weekend for me, you know what I'm saying? I didn't know but, about this coming here. Well, hey, know you know, coming. you can get in that tub too, all right? <laughs> Relax, okay? We're, just loosen up a little bit, all right? Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll podcast from the tub. <laughs> Live from the tub, okay? But, um, but my man has to cut a little bit, so uh, we're going to go through the procedure. It is not going to be comfortable. For whoever has done a, a, a cut, like a water cut. And I know Kathy can hear me, so I'm basically narrating the fucking, his ordeal right now. <laughs> but it is, uh, the water is fucking hot, okay? Um, obviously, because you got you to gotta sweat. And you were submerged except for your face. If you're going to do it like a goddamn man. Do you understand? I see some pictures of people doing it, and women got to do this too. You can do it like a goddamn grown-up. Um... I see some people got like feet hanging out, arms hanging out, whatever. It's getting too hot. Oh, is it? Oh, is it getting too hot? Well, it's got to be hot, man. You got to sweat. Just go in there with the snorkel. That's where you go in there with. That's how. That's that a boy, Robbie. They, that's how Robbie does it. You, um, you, Robbie's like, oh, you leave your face out. Yeah. Oh, you're a pussy. Oh, oh, that's new. Is that is that some millennial shit you guys do? Okay, because I go snorkeling. I put and, some lobsters in there with me. <laughs> that's right. Some that's, that's right. There you go. I'll fucking, I'll smash two things with one. I'll cut the weight, cook some lobster, hop out, make weight, and smash that lobster, and I'm ready to go. Yeah. You understand me? Take some lobster from my girlfriend. There you go, sir. That's how we do it. You're like, honey, throw some goddamn butter in this tub. Let's get this fucking thing going. Let's get this thing going. But, um... One second here. Let me put myself on uh, airplane mode so you guys don't hear any. So anyways, um, yeah, so he's in there. So after you do about 10 minutes in the tub, just like the water loading, deloading, sodium, and the whole nine, you, you're measuring morning and nighttime weights. So you're collecting data. Because every time you do this, everybody's different. And then what you when you tinker with different variables with yourself, things might change. So you have to collect data so you know for next time when you do another test cut, when you do the actual cut. This is why you don't do it at the competition without any kind of data. You're flying blind, right? Everyone around you is like, well, this always worked for me. I hope to God it works for you. But we're not even close to the same. First off, I got a fucking piece on me. And to dehydrate that thing could take fucking 10 minutes on the tub. Do you understand? Well, it's it's something, right? You're not going to put alligator. You're not going to put alligator. You're not going to put fucking lobster in that one. So, but there's variables, right? <clears throat> so, um, 
after he does, after he hops out of the tub, I told him, towel down and hop on a scale. Check your body weight. How much water or how much did you sweat out 10 minutes in the tub? That's good information. Then throw on a bunch of your sweats, hop under a towel. I got some heaters. I actually just reminded myself I got to run those into them, by the way. But um, hop under the blanket and, and see how much you sweat like that as well. That's another 10 minutes. Hop up, like towel down, weigh yourself, hop back in the tub. And you go back and forth. And the underneath the blankets, under on top of the heaters, totally on your sweats on, with your toque on and everything, it's um, it's uncomfortable, but not as uncomfortable as a tub. So you're still sweating, but it's a relief from the tub, so to speak. So that's why you go back and forth. So your body weight is never gets to, or your body temperature never gets to cool off, but it's more sustainable to continuously sweat and keep it going. And that's the trick. I've also been in hotels in a competition. You can be in fucking Belarus. And try to find a sauna. No one knows what the hell you're talking about. And you're you're a little scared to be roaming around anyways. And then and there's the word for sauna. And find the word for sauna. And if you get the word wrong, you don't know what exchange you're getting into. <laughs> and then and then if your hotel room doesn't have a, a, a tub, which mine didn't. This is at the World Championships 2017. I'm not just pulling this example out of out of my ass here. This actually did happen to me. So I had to create my own sauna in my hotel room. And this is how we did it. Hot um, heaters, heating pads underneath with a covers and blanket underneath all my sweat gear and, and created like a cocoon, if you will. A little love cocoon, okay? Um, and, and, that's, uh, and that's how I sweat it out. So you need to collect this data though because whatever scenario you end up in, the more experience you have, the more calm you're going to be. And when you have a deadline, like the weigh-ins don't move for you, um, it's, it's, it's more, you get, you get more anxious about it. Cortisol, when it raises, makes you hang on to water and will make it harder. So how do you lower anxiety and nervousness? You do it over and over and over and over, right? Almost uh, like HIIT training, like in, pretty much like interval training. Is that what they do? Well, just for like interval training, like you go up and down. So it kind of seems that same way for, yeah. you jump into a bath. Because it's sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you're not stopping. But it's sustainable. Exactly. So it's consistently sweating and your body heat is consistently high. But when you're at some point of, I can't stay in this tub any longer, but on the flip side, it can't cool down totally because then I have to bring it all the way back up from zero again. Not literally from zero, but from baseline again. That's really going to take a lot longer. Exactly. There you go. There's a good analogy. Is like um, So... And, and as well, it's good doing this with Kafwi. It's good if he doesn't have a tub. Like I was saying, it's, it's good to have these variables in motion now. So if anybody's talked, we talked about it. People said you should write a blog or an article on how to, f- the cutting and, and the procedure. The thing is, I want to do it, but I'm also, I need to stress, these are going to be general guidelines because everybody is different. A fucking 220-pound man and a 125-pound woman who are genetically, the hormones and everything, totally different. Is she on her period that week? That's a massive oh, yeah. difference. And that happens. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, these are general guidelines. Even the way your body handles sodium to mine to carbs. You know, if, if you have any carbs, does it suck up the water? Does it not matter as much? How much water it takes? These are variables. So I think I want to write this blog for people. But I, you got to make it somewhat general because people will take it to the T and be like, exactly that. It's like, well, body weight changes. You got to be safe about it too. You also got to be safe about it. <clears throat> Quote unquote spotters. You know what I mean? We, yeah. We're here too. 
um, right next door, right? So, if you hear any screaming, we can just run through. Yeah, or if you don't hear anything, well, he's a little silent. <laughs> I come back in the podcast room. All right, Robbie, we get. Do you know how to dispose of a body? Because yeah. <laughs> uh, I got a gentleman. Oh, that's right. We'd have to Google search this. But um, but anyway, so yeah, there's 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 variables to do. I've I've had I've experienced like it's too bad Paul's not here because Paul has cut. 15 pounds for our European friends. It's about 7 kilo. Um, and he's, he's cut everywhere from 10 to 15 pounds. Delightful and hit PRs to absolute hell. And his numbers don't totally nosedive. It's, it's funny. Here's something I'm going to tell you guys. When it comes to cutting, if you just don't eat and the calories aren't in your body, your body doesn't come back if you smash a meal right after you weigh in and start lifting. Your body doesn't pull that energy from the food as well and bounce back as much as dehydration. Your body can bounce back from dehydration much better, much better than no food. And Paul found that out. He's done both. And I told him, like, he's had a shitty water cut. It was hell. We're talking the 15-pound one. Um, Rehydrated, didn't hit PR squat, didn't hit PR bench. By the time Deg rolled around, though, he was rehydrated, smashed a PR dead. And he felt like hell, but he's like, holy shit, it still happened. He, then he did the opposite, but he didn't like how it felt. He felt shitty, and it's very difficult to do. So rattled by it, the next competition, instead of short, doing a big water cut, short up on his food. Stop eating like a day of 24 hours out. Hadn't eaten anything for 24 hours. My friend, go in the gym without eating for 24 hours. Tell me how strong you feel. Tell me, hey, this is a PR day. Never going to happen, right? So he, and then, and then he's, oh, well, I ate after the weigh-ins. Like, a th- how much, even if you ate 1,000 calories, which is a massive meal for a 74-kilo guy, that's big. 1,000 calories over a 24-hour period, you hadn't eaten for 24 hours before that. So if, that, if you work it out, in the last 24 hours, you had 1,000 calories. How much of that food is your body going to process in time? Yeah, a fraction of that? Yeah, it takes time to digest. Dige- exactly, to get in the stream. So are we talking... Let's just say 600 calories that is in your system. Maybe that's generous. Maybe it's not. You're still fucked. You're not bouncing back. So he found out. I was like, I'd rather be dehydrated and have to bounce back from that than no food. If I had to quit pick. The best is in between. Right? The sweet spot. And the only way you're going to find the sweet spot is... I mean, we're, we're beating, the dead ho- beating the shit out of this dead horse right now. But, but do it over and over. Right? Talking about practice. That's right. Practice makes perfect. And collecting data. Collect that goddamn data. Um, so there you have it, man. We're on a bit of a, it's, it's, it's a little different this episode. I got a gentle man, uh, next door in my tub. Paul is high on morphine (laughs) and my mobility coach is sitting in. Thanks for sitting in, Rob. Talk about practice makes perfect. You get more and more comfortable with it. Yeah. The more of these you do, you're going to feel, you told me, Hey, I'm a little nervous, man. And I was like, We're just talking like we always talk. But it's true. But the more you do it, the more it's like, oh, shit, this is getting easier and easier. Got to get outside your comfort zone, right, sir? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, one thing you were t- yesterday when we were doing mobility, um, and I don't think a lot of people do it enough, and uh, I'm not going to act like I'm one of the guys who were on top of it all the time because you'll be, <laughs> you get a test. <laughs> I went, so we were going like once a week regularly. Yeah. Smashing mobility, and I felt yeah. great. Yeah. And then when I take like five, six weeks off, and yeah, you it was came. A long time. It was <laughs> way, way too damn long. Um, I was living the life a little bit. I'm still lifting weights, obviously, but got married, honeymoon, smashing beers, 
You know, yeah, I'll get to Rob. Yeah, we'll book something, Robbie, in a little bit. When you first came back, you oh, yeah, said you were tight. it was like fucking glue was in my joints. Yeah, even like cement, like was, some kind of like industrial glue. <laughs> it was it wasn't super glue. It was like cement in those joints. You almost need like a chisel and a hammer. <laughs> you go book me twenty minutes early. I gotta chisel away a little bit yeah. on the surface area, and then when I find the joint, I'll start working with it. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it was tight, man. And I was I was telling you, Robbie, when I'm squatting, I feel that shit. You know, I feel it bad. Deads, because I'm a conventional puller, hips can be higher. But squats, you know, I you got to get below depth. And that's where you sometimes can feel it. Yeah. You got to stay on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, you were saying a lot of times with power lifters, uh, what, what, is the, what, what are the nets that you said are usually get tightest? There's a few. It's usually the muscles that people use a lot. So they get really tightened through their lats because, well, for bench press. Yeah, uh, people have to activate their lats and a yeah. lot of other things as well yeah. as deadlifting. Yeah, so. yeah, you and and squat too. You pull in that bar. Like I don't yeah. think people understand how often you use those lats. Yeah, oh, yeah. and then yeah. right down was it the lateral net you were saying? Yeah, so into through the IT band and through the TFL, just everything on the side that all becomes really tight. Then, yeah, yeah, and sometimes you'll get one side that's tighter than the other that throws everything off. And that's that's myself. That's. Yeah. Paul, Caff, that's almost, it. not Randy, it's almost everybody though, well, yeah, I've noticed. Pretty much all the powerlifters I work with, especially if you do the, the alternated grip. And you think that's what it probably is? That could be a possibility, I'd say, because, well, your shoulder might be higher on the one side than the other. Yeah, like when I do an alternated grip for deadlift, I slam that, like, that one lat shut in terms of the overhand and get super tight. I do it with the other lad as well, but because the, the grip is supinated and it's facing forward, it's not going to be the same as the grip that's overhand. You're, you're going to get tighter just by, you know, the leveraging of where your hands are like. Think about if you're going to pull something and I'm, you know, just the way your grip is. So one, one side will inevitably get slightly tighter every time. It's just the way it is. And try a lat pull down or something with the alternated grip. Yeah. It's kind of Okay. That's a good example. <laughs> try a lap pull down with an alternated grip and that'll feel all types of fucky yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> Think they, that's a really good example do a lap pull down with an alternated grip and some of those grips instead of a normal lap bar straight bar try uh, a gay bar <laughs> no alright that's the cheesy joke of the fucking podcast no instead of a straight bar try one of those uh, you know you can grab those like like single handed ones. Um, they're not really a bar, but anyways, so it's not they're not attached. And do it, and it won't be the same. Now tr- then, try a straight bar where they're attached. You're gonna feel the difference if you do an alternated grip lat pull down. It's gonna you're you're engaging a hundred percent for sure. There's a difference there, and uh, so then you'll notice. Well, what do you think you're doing with the deadlift when you go into five hundred pounds, four hundred pounds, six hundred pounds with regular weight? Yeah, over years. Key thing too is to look for the shoulder level because a lot of the times one trap will come up a little bit higher. Yeah. Maybe you'll be, uh, usually it's the side that's over for me, but that right side is up. Yeah. I like to go left side under, but the shoulder is actually higher than the other. And then if the bar is is like that slightly skewed, the side that's closer to the ground, inevitably, like anything you're holding and you tilt, the side's going to feel a little heavier. Yeah. It's going to load up that, yeah. that hip a little more. Okay, um, it's going to shift a little and everything's just going to be pulled around. Yeah, so then what happens to your hips? Shift a little. Everything yeah. shifts a little on you. And we deadlift every week. Yeah. So that's why it's, uh, it is important to stay on your mobility. Have, have a Robbie Little in your yeah. team. You know, because 
the longer you do it, the more it's going to, these imbalances catch up. Now myself too, to make things even more interesting, I actually had my arm popped out the socket at the elbow and fucking um, like doing grappling. I caught in an arm bar and the one arm doesn't fully extend. It extend, like we're talking, like it extends enough, but not the same as the other one. So then automatically when I'm deading and the bar is in my hand, one side's a little lower. So that happens automatically normal. Now to make it even worse, the hand that doesn't fully extend is my overhand, which is going to be rise a little higher anyways. So even if they're both overhand, one's going to be higher. And then it's not overhand, it's mixed grip. So now it's even higher on the one hand. So now I'm very much when I dead and I dead every single week. And you can tell what's going to happen to my hips, what's going to happen to everything. Thousands of pounds of volume too. Yeah, well, thousands of pounds of rep, dude. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that's what you were going to say. I was going to say, well, you don't got to jerk me off that (laughs) quite, quite that. Settle settle down, Rob. If you're going to lie, lie little so it's believable. (laughs) Don't go big. Don't go that big, son. But I appreciate. (laughs) That's right. But I appreciate the uh, the effort. So, anyways, um, yeah. So we've had a a little bit of a. It's a little different today. And um, we'll keep you updated both on Paul's drama leading into nationals. What this means. Is he going to compete in nationals? I told him, video this. um, And it's going to make a hell of a story if you make it to nationals. You know, end up in the hospital and the whole night. Because people go through some shit and can bounce back and it surprises you. We're only four weeks out. People can bounce back and surprise you. Maybe not your best day. But to show up and finish is big. To make it to that finish line. Yeah. Look, like I felt some adversity, but my goal was to hit the Nationals. Let's see if he can do it. Let's see what the doctor's got to tell him. You're good to go. On the board there. Throw some numbers on the board. Maybe whatever your original goal was, maybe it's, I don't know where he wanted to be in, top, in the top 10. Maybe his goal is, like, let me be a top 10 in the nation. Canada's, you know, regularly number two in the world behind the U.S. Uh, so it's, it's no small feat to get top 10, you know, and we'll also keep you updated with Cafwee's cut. And, uh, and we can keep talking about water cutting because a lot of people go through these kind of things. So, um, with that being said, we got Taylor Atwood, 74 kilo world champion, multiple time American champion, and all round beast, uh, gunning for the number one pound for pound spot in the world. On the show today, I'm going to give him a ring right now with no further ado, Taylor Atwood. Okay, we're recording. My man's is back. So, Taylor, quick catch-up. Um, Paul, so Randy last time did an interview, and then uh, Randy's been working like like crazy out of town and whatnot. So, Paul's been doing a lot of podcasting with me on a lot of the episodes. And last night, Paul was doing a warm-up on deadlifts, uh, beltless, warm-up weight, so maybe he wasn't bracing as much, whatever. Throws his back out, ends up in the hospital, high on morphine, Texted me, I might not make the podcast. And I gave Damn. him and I gave and I gave him the how fucking bad do you want it speech? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I gave him the be a warrior, man up, you have a date, you're obligated to make it. Okay? I said, don't apologize to me, apologize to Taylor. <laughs> That's what I said. Okay? So um so Paul didn't make it. In his place, I got my mobility guy, uh, Robbie, who's also a fan of powerlifting, powerless, so he's he's stepping in. And also, um, kind of different. So one of the athletes that, that we're training with is doing a practice water cut. And um, so he was he's an 83-kilo dude. He's like the okay. nas- national record holder for 83-kilo deadlift. And um, so we're doing a practice water cut. 
And in the morning, so because you never want, he's never water cut before. And uh, you know, like you should always not do the very first water cut at the nationals. You know, no. make sure you know your shit, right? We we see now those things can go wrong. So um, he's doing it. We're four weeks out. He's doing a practice water cut now. It was over like a taper a week, so perfect week to do it. And yep. he was about four pounds, a little heavy. So after the water load, deload. So I said, guess what, my friend? Um, you're going to have to sweat this out in the tub. Rub-a-dub-dub. So uh, he's never done it before. So I said, grab, you know, this, that, and the other, all the shit you need. Come on over. Hop in the tub. You got to wear a swimsuit like a gentleman. Okay. <laughs> but, 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 but hop in that tub. So right now I got a gentleman in the tub in the other room. <laughs> This so, is classic. This is classic. Hey, this is this is a powerlifting podcast, my friend. This is legit. People, hey, people, I'm, I'm people, all for it, dude. That's right. People, shit, bring 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 the camera in there. We're gonna, we're gonna, that's we're right. gonna get his motivation live, right live on the scene. Taylor, world champion Taylor Atwood's gonna walk you through this calf week. Let's go. Let's do this. One dude threw out his back. Other guy's cutting water. This is it, man. This is this is this is wild. So. uh this is what powerlifting is about. That's right. right injuries, buddy. sweating, talking. Let's get it done. That's right. Let's get it done. So, um, so how you been, my friend? It's been a minute since we had you on the podcast. And last time we had you on, uh, like you had won the nationals, and obviously everybody knew who knew who you were. You were on the radar. But since then, done some things, haven't you, buddy? Done a few a little things. Bit. Little, little bit. bit. Little bit. So let's catch up. I think last time, um. In, it was before Belarus. Yep. And um, in Belarus, let's catch up a little bit leading into Belarus and what happened in Belarus. And then from there, what you did in Calgary and uh, what you've been doing. Even that the aren't, fuck me, not to skip on the time. No, there's, a, there, there's a lot. That there's happened. a lot, my friend. <laughs> what you did at the Arnold Classic last year, and it's got some people excited. So let's let's catch up a little bit. Training leading into Belarus and how that went. Yeah, so um, Belarus, I kind of briefed you on kind of what happened with the traveling situation, but I'll do it for the newcomers here yeah, on yeah. the podcast. So when you're traveling into Belarus, when you're going through Russia, you have to get what's called a transit visa. And when we reached that, when the uh, Belarusian embassy or whatever, we got all of our stuff, what we thought we got in order. Um, it was only to travel from Europe into Belarus. So from Europe to Belarus, you you only need your um, wh- whatever they gave us a visa. Yeah. Uh, but when you travel through Russia, you need a transit visa. So when I get to JFK and we're traveling Aeroflot, the um, the person comes up to us when we're getting into the line and we show them our our visa that we have with the Belarusian embassy, we show them our passport. They're like, where's your transit visa? He's flipping through the pages. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys told us we didn't need a transit visa. <laughs> I, went, I, went to your, I went to your embassy and you told me I didn't need one. And guess what? On your website, I'm looking at it right now. I pulled it up on my phone and I was like, look, right here it says I don't need a transit visa. And they're like, no, 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 no. We have something else. And he pulls out his paper and says, you need one. And I'm like, <laughs> shit. Yeah, I only have two hours now to get everything situated. Luckily, we showed up early. 
but I'm with my dad. I'm with my uh, coach, uh, Jason, and we're like, all right, wh- what are we going to do? Fuck, that's <laughs> so, nerve-wracking, eh? Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so this is, luckily, though, we were flying out a week ahead of time. So this is on a Friday, uh, and I was lifting uh, the following Thursday. So I had some time. So I wasn't too nervous, but I was nervous trying to get onto the plane and get to where I needed to get to. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, we got it all figured out. It cost a shit ton of money, but nonetheless, we got it figured out. Um, however, we were still traveling through Russia. So we had to wait 18 hours in the Russian airport. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> damn. And, so and, and you're Americans in Russia. Yes, and exactly. And your paperwork is... I'm totally confident. Yeah, yeah. Like, and this is when Trump is like talking to. Uh, it was a. It was not a good. Yeah, environment. A good time to be an American in no. Russia. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you were. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you, and so you can only imagine. We're 18 hours now in the fucking airport. Um, we fly. I was supposed to get to Belarus on Saturday, uh, which would have just been an overnight flight. We, do what we have to do, and I'm there. Mm. We have to fucking stay in the Russian airport for 18 hours. We took a flight from Russia to Lithuania <laughs> because because we couldn't travel into Belarus from Russia because we didn't have a transit visa. Uh. So the alternate route to take was you have to take Lithuania, and from Lithuania we took a bus into Belarus. <laughs> what the fuck? And then and then from there. Uh, you took it to Romania and then horseback to Romania <laughs> and then and <laughs> <laughs> stayed well, we with the natives. We took a hot air balloon. That's we right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, a journey, man. There was a giant. Oh, he was friendly. You befriended a giant. <laughs> lived with his family for three days. Wow, oh, man. Oh, my God. Shit. So, we didn't get into... <laughs> So, with all that said, we didn't get into fucking Russia, uh, Belarus until Monday, yeah. when I was supposed to get there on Saturday. A little late. So, so, so the cortisol levels were a little high. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. So, actually, I was weighing around 167-ish uh, when I got, and I was trying to stay as hydrated as possible, eat as like as often as I could. Uh, but when I actually got onto the competition scale on Monday um, in Belarus, and the I weighed 160 pounds. Holy smokes, man! I lost seven, six to seven pounds in just two days, three days. Holy shit, Taylor! That's way too light. So I, I'm like, holy shit! I looked at my dad. I looked at Jason. I'm like, dude. Because I was worried that I wasn't, I was like overweight because of how much I thought I was eating. Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm overweight right now. So when I hopped on the scale at 160 pounds, I'm like, we need to go to the nearest grocery store. And just, <laughs> I need to start. Yeah. So leading into the competition, I'm literally eating probably 4,000 calories a day Ooh, just to get back up to 163 because each morning I was eating a, like a maniac. I was I was in taking probably over 500 grams of carbs. Yeah, wow. Uh, leading into the comp. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be great, right? Yeah. But my, like you said, my cortisol level, my stress level, yeah. just everything compounded. So I actually, I was feeling like shit. Mm. 
even though I was taking in all these calories, I was still I still felt like shit. Um, so with all that said, uh, I got to Belarus and we were able to compete. But I'm going against Kel from Norway, and I knew that was my competition going in. He was uh, the current or prior equipped 83 champion. Um, I knew he had a great deadlift. Yes, on. huge dead. Huge deadlift for a 74, uh, and even 83. He had the current 83 record um, as well. But he's coming in. I knew he had a great deadlift. I, he, his squat and his bench were a wild card. I didn't know what that was going to be. So I kind of knew where it was for his 83, and his leverages weren't that good for squat. Um, so I kind of projected him around the 230 to 240 range. Mm-hmm. And then I was probably I, I was pretty close on his bench. He was, I was projecting him around 180, 185, and he hit 185. Um, and then I knew his deadlift was going to be around that 310 to 320, but he fucking pulled 323. That's insane, which is insane. Yeah. Insane for yeah. 74. That's, that's yeah. like mind-boggling. I believe at the time, I believe 325 is the 83-kilo world record. The guys two and a half kilo off of weight, and the weight classes in powerlifting are huge. These yeah. are guys like Russell Horhey who are jack beast walking around, and this guy is out <laughs> pulling them a weight class up. So yeah, right. uh, that's a tough one. So we we had an idea of where he would be from a total perspective. Uh, we were within five kilos of his total uh, that he actually posted, uh, but we were pretty confident in my total uh, that we were projecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But all that shit happened. Yeah. And then and then I would say about three weeks out, I had a QL injury uh, while I was deadlifting. Um, so that flared up, and I wasn't able to squat or deadlift um, over, I want to say, 80%. So we oh. didn't have a proper peak. Um, it all sounds like excuses, and I get it if you're listening. Um, but those were the circumstances that I was given. So leading into it, we were projecting around a 270 squat. I hit 267.5, I believe, or two, 265. This was back in 2017. I'm trying to remember my numbers. Yeah, yeah. Close uh, enough, but, but not quite. But uh, I, hit, I hit all my squats. Um, I, I was, but I just didn't feel like the Taylor Atwood I knew I was supposed to be feeling like. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a... We had a Good squat, so I was happy with that. So I'm thinking, okay, I got some momentum going into bench, um, but bench just felt weird. It didn't feel – I wasn't clicking on bench. Uh, I hit 190 at Nationals the previous year to qualify for Worlds, so we were projecting around a 195 bench. Um, so we went 185 for my second attempt, and we attempted, and that didn't move as well as we thought it should, so we only went 190. And it got to like my, it got maybe like three to four inches off my chest. And I was like, it's going. And then it just like, just something forced was not allowing it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the magnet came on underneath the platform. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it, it, it just it stuck there, right? So uh, now I'm five kilos below, 10 kilos below what my projected one, one RM was. And now we're 10 kilos behind. Uh, on what we were projecting from a total standpoint. So going into deadlift, my back after that bench started to tighten up really bad. 
Um, I was starting to get a little dehydrated. I started to cramp up. Luckily, I had some uh, some stuff with me, uh, some coarse liniment, um, tiger balm, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we were rubbing that all on my back and legs. Uh, so I'm walking out there numb as shit. <laughs> does, that, does that stuff work well? I remember, like, that's the type of stuff my grandpa would reek of it. When he, I remember, you know what I mean? Like, that's the old yes. school. Does it work really well or is it? Oh, it works. Does it? It 100% works. No shit. Uh, okay. It happened to me, actually, at, and I'll get into this as well. It happened to me at World at 2018 in Calgary. I remember that. Yeah. 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 Uh, but had had the same thing happen there, cramping up a little bit. So, so Dead West didn't, didn't go anywhere near what we were projecting. I think I hit uh, 285, and that moved like, oh, like molasses. <laughs> so, but we were projecting to be around 760 total. Yeah. And I only I only hit 733. Uh, Kale hit uh, 757. So he beat me uh, fair and square, uh, barring all the setbacks that we had. He beat me fair and square. I wasn't gonna take anything away from him because he's a great lifter. Yeah. And he came in ready. So um, you, you know. Kel, beat me man it's funny though so when you listen to the intro it's almost a perfect setup for what you just said me and robbie were just talking about because of the weight cut uh kathy's doing right now but bouncing back from dehydration the body can bounce back great when you're dehydrated then rehydrate really quickly you can bounce back and, and it would surprise people how much body weight you can lose from from sweating it out and then put it back on and how quickly you're almost right back to where you were before you did that but bouncing back from legit body size loss from lack of food and your actual body, not just water, but shrinks and trying to come back to do that in a couple days is like, it is what it is. It's almost like, well, you know, it's really hard to bounce back. I had a buddy like Paul, actually, he's done both. He had big water cuts, 15 pound water cuts. And he had, um, so 12 pounds is okay. 13 pounds, 14 pounds. He started getting bigger, bigger, more, more ballsy, right? This is what happens. And then he did a 15 pound one and he's like, oh, oh, that was the one. That's the one where it's like, this sucked. So his squat suffered, his bench suffered. By the time he deadlifted, he had been fully rehydrated, still got a PR. Um, so he's like, his takeaway, sometimes when you, you have a shitty experience, you go way too far the other way. So he's like, Fuck water cuts. I'm shrinking down the actual body size. And before the meat, he didn't eat for 24 hours his next meat, which is terrible. You're never going to hit PRs not eating. No. And his body shrunk. <laughs> for anyone listening, Taylor's expression says it all. <laughs> God damn, that's a bad day. So after he weighed, after he weighed in, he smashed like a big meal. He goes, no, I, I ate. I, ate. I go, when did you eat? He goes, yeah, just after I weighed in. I was like, my friend, you had like, however many calories in the past 24 hours that means. And you're not even going to digest that all. We're about to lift. So right. he had his rebound from that, no PRs. At least with the dehydration, he bounced back by the time deads came. And that was too big of a dehydration. So uh, kind of like to your story where it's like, when you find out I've shrunk, not just dehydrated, like I've straight up shrunk cortisol, haven't been eating because I'm flying all over on the plane, held up. It's That's where I know you probably tried to stay positive, but it's like, Oh shit, this is worse than a dehydrate. I'd rather sweat it out. You know, oh, yeah. you did what you had to do by eating, but that's a tough bounce back, right? Right, right. And 
with all that said and all that happening, I mean, I, I was, I still hit a seven thirty three total, oh, yeah. which, was, which was a world record. Yeah, uh, Kel, Kel, Kel set the bar with a seven fifty seven, but um, I was still able to do a pretty. De- I had a good wilt. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's still, I still had a good meet in in other people's standards, but to my standards, it wasn't. And to your point, like. I, I felt shrunk. Like I, the energy levels weren't there. My motivation levels were shit, and it was just not a. It was the perfect storm to not have a good meet. So we did everything that we could uh, to bounce back, and I think that we did a good job. But it just wasn't enough. And then uh, yeah, like the body isn't made to shrink up and down. Not just water, but legit shrink up and down like that. Within a few days, something's wrong. It's not yeah, for you. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It's yeah. not ideal. Um, so then after the worlds, you're hungry, literally, pun intended. So you, <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, so you come into the raw nationals and, uh, your next nationals and then Arnold classic and then the run into worlds. What's the change here? Because you turned into from the bridesmaid, not the bride at the world scene to <laughs> holy fuck Taylor Atwood. You out totaled Russell Orhe at the Arnold classic. Like, Talk. What, what happened there? Is that that yeah. this transformed a monster in a way? And it did. Uh, and and if there's any takeaway from this, and it's just in life too, is your failures uh, define sometimes who you are and what your character is made of, right? So I could have been like all of my feelings about shit I just lost and this happened and blah blah blah, um, but I chose to turn it into a positive and run with it and motivate me. So what happened, and this is that I actually attribute this to my father. Uh, we were sitting there and after Worlds, and we do a lot of reflecting. My father has been a huge, huge uh, just rock in my life and motivator in my life and just wanted, wants me to do phenomenal things. But he's been my biggest motivator and pusher. And after Worlds, he's like, what the fuck happened? He's like... What was that? And I'm like, dude, did you not just see what I went through? Like, you went through it with me. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want to hear that. He's like, you were projecting to be here, and you fell here, son. And that was a huge gut check for me. Yeah. And I'm like, man, like, I, I hold him to, like, he's, he's, he's supposed to be my motivator. And when he's challenging me like that, it was like, oh, I wasn't ready for it. So when he did, he challenged my coach as well, Jason. And he's like, son, we, we got to do something different. And he's like, I don't know what it is, but it has to be something. And I, no bullshit, and I haven't told anyone this, uh, a lot of people, but want, want some insight into my life, yeah. kind of what happened. Jason and I didn't talk for probably a good month after this. Um, and we just did some reflecting on what we want as a coaching combination uh what i want as an athlete and what i want going forward and that was personally what i wanted was a world championship Mm. it's now two years in a row that i'm in second place and we were projecting to be here and we fell here Mm -hmm. so we had to do some 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 diving and and some real reflection so we did that and jason did a lot of reflecting and guess what he did he reached out to Ben Escrow 
Oh. And I, and I know you guys had a podcast with them and um, kind of gave their coaching philosophy. But when you have the – like Jason was a great coach. He, he is. Um, but he – like given my prior injury history and whatnot – uh, we kind of went on the conservative side of training. Whereas Ben came in, and now he's looking at it objectively. And from the outside looking in, he's like, dude, you're not giving him enough training. Like, you're dying. I was dying on the last, like, I'd go eight for nine. You look at my prior attempts before Worlds, it was always eight for nine, seven for nine. Um, I couldn't finish the meet. So what he did was, he's like, first, we need to get him squat bench and deadlifting more. In the same session. So that's what we did. Second, we need to get more volume done. You're not doing enough. You're not pushing them hard enough. So that's what we did. So when Ben came in, uh, Jason being a little bit more conservative, Ben being a little more aggressive, we found that balance. Uh-huh. And Jason being the creative genius that he is, Ben being the fucking just brain that he is as well, um, they came up with this system that we're now implementing in, in multiple athletes' training. Uh, they came up with a system that worked for me, and we found results. So that was a month after Worlds that Ben or Jason we, and I, we started talking. We talked it out. We hashed it out. And he said, I'm bringing on Ben. And Ben uh, was kind of on the back end of powerlifting his powerlifting coaching career, he was still doing it. He turned Eli Burks into a world champion, um, had a couple other people. Yeah. So but he, he didn't need anything else on his resume. His, his, his resume was, was good. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> in 2015, and you may not have been there, but uh, at the Arnold, Jason uh, was there, and he showed up in a fucking suit, like almost like a suit and tie, right? And for a powerlifting setting, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> are you going to be loading plates with that fucking suit on? Yeah. <laughs> Loosen up the time. He might have looked like a referee. And, yeah. Yeah. And Ben Escrow was there. And Ben looked at this guy like, what are you wearing? I like you. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it was kind of like that, that kind of broke the ice. For Ben and Jason, and that kind of that planted what I want to say the mustard seed. Uh, if you don't know what a mustard tree turns into, it's one of the biggest fucking trees in the world. But okay. the seed, literally this big, yeah, that planted the mustard seed for what we are now uh, today. But then, leading into 2016 nationals, um, we met again with Ben Escrow, and he helped coach me there. So it kind of just stemmed into something. So they kind of had a relationship, but it, it, it wasn't what it is today. So when Jason reached out to Ben, Ben was all for it. He was all on board. Um, but he was like, I want to be in the in the back. I, I want you to be the face and the, you the one writing the program, but I'll help you consult. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, perfect. Let's do that. So we did that leading into 2017 Raw National after I just had – what a 733 total at uh, Worlds in June. So Nationals was in October. So within that time frame, we probably had a good three months to really do this new training. And I fucking killed 
nationals. I, I probably had a good 10 to 15 kilos left in me. I had a, I hit a 750 total. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was, it was. I remember, <laughs> I remember watching, and the commentator, I think he's a little new, was like, oh, this oh, young up and comer. <laughs> This oh fucking guy's a four-time national champion. Who is this kid? He's really, he's really, he's really shocking people today. Uh, not really. <laughs> you know who it was, and it killed me. It was fucking Dennis Siri. Oh what? Oh, it was Dennis Siri. He should the know. Great venture. Yeah. Oh, he's legend in benching. Legend in benching. And I'm like, dude, it's because you're just benching is why you don't know who the powerlifters are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, it's it. It goes to show. Do do a quick Google. Do a quick Google just to know who's champ, who's who, and then we yeah, hop in was, there. I was a three-time national champion at that point. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what? You're going to dick me like that? I got, put some respect on my name. That's, that's <laughs> right. Put some respect on my name, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, that, that, was, that was the missing link in our training. So, Ben came on, and, and we were like, holy shit. <laughs> We saw this result, and we're like, we like it. Let's and continue it, doing this. And right? it was it was the biggest was the biggest change, um, volume and just longer sessions per session. It was just specificity, honestly. Uh, being able to get more SBD days and volume, and and being able to do all three lifts because before I was just doing maybe a, a one bench day and then maybe potentially a squat and bench and then deadlift and bench. Whereas now I'm doing an SPD day and I'm fucking doing like four sets of eight Holy on each one. shit. How long are your days then? Oh, three hours. Easy. Wow. And do you do how many days a week would that be? Uh, at the time, uh, they, they kind of, as aggressive as Ben was, he knew that I needed to build my work capacity and whatnot. So I would say it was probably just two days okay. uh, SBD, but then I had a squat and bench day for my second day. Gotcha. Um, so I was probably squatting three times a week, benching four times a week, deadlifting twice a week. And, and, and at this point, so when you won the Raw National 750, the drums mm -hmm. are beating, the drums are beating, uh, right. But it's still not the biggest total yet of the year, 74. Mm -hmm. But certainly the, the weights are moving and people are like, there's improvement and there's room. So people weren't sure yet, but there was signs. The drums are beating. Now we walk into the, the fucking Arnold Classic and yeah. it was like, everybody's like, boom goes the dynamite, holy shit. <laughs> um, you know, that was nuts, man. That's nuts. It's, it and it's interesting because I didn't realize um, the impact that Arnold would have on like getting the buzz around like Taylor Atwood is here now. Yeah. Uh, because and, and, and Dennis I, Siri knew who you were after that. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you should have hit. It. Oh, you, know, yeah. you know me now, motherfucker. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know me now. Right. And it, what's even crazier? Another story for you. Um, I'm I work in finance. And I have a very, very busy year end. So anytime it's uh, the December time frame and beginning of January, it's like balls to the wall. Uh, I'm closing the books. I, and I have like a three-week span where I can't get to the gym. Mm. It's literally I'm working like 80 to 90-hour weeks. Jesus. So 
it's very high stress. I, I'm not, I wasn't it. So this, this was January. I wasn't able to get to the gym for three weeks. Uh, I, I was maybe out of three weeks, I got two training sessions in and we have the Arnold in March. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's towards the end of January and we're just now beginning prep for the Arnold. Uh, we did front load our volume in December because I knew I told them leading into it uh, that these three weeks I'm out of commission. So we front loaded volume. So my work capacity and whatnot was was okay. But there's three weeks where I didn't get to do shit. So but our actual training for the Arnold didn't begin until end of January. So I literally only had probably six weeks yeah. of, of true training under my belt to get ready for the Arnold. Uh, but given that it was uh, it was only based on wilts, I wasn't gonna worry about my weight. I was like, I just want to be as strong as humanly possible, and just don't even get. I don't give a shit about how much I weigh. But I, I still walk around at 167, 166. So it's not too much. 75, yeah. 75 and a half. Yeah. Um, just walking around weight. So. They were okay with that. We were we were all good, but now we're getting to the Arnold, and we had a pretty decent six weeks of prep. And and uh, I hit I think in training we did AMRAP testing about two weeks before the Arnold, and I hit uh, I hit two fifty five or two sixty for like a set of five. Jesus. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I'm fucking ready. <laughs> yeah, no shit. I'm Yo, ready. People are going to talk. People are yeah. going to talk, yeah. So that's when I was like, all right, now, now I'm where I want to be. Like, this is where I knew I should be. This is what I knew I was capable of. So going into the Arnold, my fucking confidence, I was riding high. It was just a matter of time. Like, like let's get on the fucking platform. I'm ready. Isn't that an amazing feeling? Like, you oh, know, when, when everything lines up and you're like, I'm going to fucking unveil a package that is everyone's going to talk about. It's totally different than when shit isn't right and you're about to hit the platform and you're like, ah, I hope for the best. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a whole other, yeah, let's, let's, let's swing, but uh, I don't know. That's <laughs> it's a whole nother game. It is, man. It, it truly is. Yeah. And I didn't, I was able to eat whatever the hell I wanted the day before. But yeah. The. Morning of, I didn't eat much because I wanted to weigh in as light as possible. Uh, but I was still able to eat whatever I wanted. So I get that. I get to the Arnold, man. Confidence is high. I feel great. Um, I'm, I walk into the venue, and dude, the venue was. I, I've never been on the like a powerlifting stage of that magnitude. And personally, I feed off of the crowd. Yeah. And, um, you can kind of see it with the intensity that I have after a good lift, but when I see a shit ton of people and like I feed off of that, like the more people, the better. If you could fill a fucking arena and have a hundred thousand people screaming at me, eight hundred kilo total. <laughs> oh, eight hundred! I'm going for eight fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. yeah. Like, we're 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 competing with the eighty threes. That's right. That, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but all right, so. I get there, the, the crowd, I walk on stage, it's fucking massive, this crowd, and, and, and I'm just looking at them, and I'm like, oh, it's here, like, I'm ready, yeah. uh, 
and I, I, I opened up with 260, and that shit flew. That, it, it just absolutely You're crazy. like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. No. So I'm like, dude, it's on. And, and I look at Ben and Jason, and they're like, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and they knew it right then and there. I, I had the, the, the eye just ready to do what, what I came to do, and that was the win. So um, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on stage again. We go 280 for my third squat, and I go down and I go up, and that was a it was a pretty big grinder, uh, but I got it in 280. 280, which 80. is fucking nuts, but yeah. 280, and I I weighed in at 76, I believe. So I'm like, holy shit! Like that felt phenomenal. I'm ready to go, right? Yeah. So then on bench, I hit 192 and a half. Um, which felt great. So I, I, I like I have a ton of energy now. Like I'm before I'd be like dying. Yeah. As you as you heard in the 2017 Worlds, I was dying after my third bench, and now I'm like, bring on deadlift. I need more. Yeah, yeah. So deadlift comes in up at the first one. I think we opened up with 275 or 280, and that fucking absolutely flew. So we're like, ooh, we, we need to put some more weight on the bar. <laughs> Fuck, it's great. Because you're opening to the 600. You're squatting in the 600s, opening, deading in the 600s, 74 kilo. A couple years ago, this would be crazy talk. You know, this would be yeah. crazy talk. Like, like I say 74 kilo, just above 74 kilo. Right. Like, you were just above it. So it's, th- this is crazy numbers. Yeah, yeah. And we were, we're sitting there and we're like, holy shit, man. We can't believe this is happening. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just ride the, just go with it yeah. at oh, that point sometimes you're like throw out what we thought because this is better than we ever could you're almost like how many more kilo you think you got in you you know it's yeah. like you're almost making audibles the whole day Let's oh just- sure and that's that's the that's the beauty of game day coaching um, because we knew uh, at the Grand Prix at least that if I hit my third deadlift we went 310 and I that fucking flew um, but we knew that if we hit that, we were in the lead and we were going to win. Um, but there were other instances where at 2018 Raw Nationals, we did things very strategically because we knew Blake LeHue would throw some stupid number on the bar and I didn't get it anyway. But uh, <laughs> Bless uh, we knew that if we hit nine for nine very strategically, um, we would there's no way anyone would be able to beat us. So game day coaching is is very, very important. And I can't stress that enough. So if any of you guys are listening, women, men, whoever, um, make sure that you have a great game day coach that knows what they're doing, knows how to call a meet, and understands the numbers at play. Don't just shoot for a PR on every fucking lift. That's yeah. stupid. Yeah. Shoot for going nine for nine. That should be your number one goal, going nine for nine. Um, and if you hit a PR along the way, that's gravy on top. Mm-hmm. But you should be shooting nine for nine because total is what counts. Like you, Because everyone, anyone that uh, like can place in the top five, let's say, there is so much... That can happen, and that can deviate from first to fifth. Yeah, and uh, we've seen that numerous times where a fifth place finisher finishes second. Yeah, or 
uh, guy going in or a woman going in like at the bottom tier of maybe six or seven, they placed third. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, shit, I wasn't even thinking about that. And those are the stories that are great because you hear them after and they're like, this is this was our strategy going in. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at the top three and you ask them what happened and it's like, well, we were shooting for a PR on this, shooting for a PR on that, and I didn't get my third lift and I ended up going six for nine or seven for nine. And it's like... It, 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 honestly, I think... Throwing back to Belarus, that kind of describes what happened with Brett Gibbs, where um, didn't think he had to look at too many of the other fellas. Going in, I'll be honest, I didn't think, not not many people thought so either. So Mm -hmm. last squat, looking for world records PR, these are certain goals, internal goals for himself. But when you miss that squat, oh shit. And then when you miss, you know, you start like the deadlifts, you know, in terms of um, attempts, it's like you might have been able to solidify the win with the second dead and certain things that you might have looked at where it's like, if you leave a door open and you start missing lifts, this cat, like uh, his total was well below what he's capable of. And these other cats, they just play a tight game, build their total nine for nine, like you said. And all of a sudden, like, holy shit, I can pull for the win. Stay in the pocket, like they say, right? Exactly. uh, It's exactly what we said, where sometimes you got to make that, if on the day, be honest with yourself, shit's not right. Brett was sick. That Brett had his own stories there. Um, but if, if it's not the day, if it's not Arnold Classic feeling really like, holy shit, and you know this, talk to the coaches and be like, all right, things are changing. On the day, we need to do as best we fucking can, like you did in Belarus. And look, it, it might not be 760. Let's squeeze what we can out of this fucking rock. And get the best total possible. We're going to walk away with a solid-ass total. Walk away with some medals. Or do you just fucking swing for the fence and start missing, end up in fifth place, and now you're really upset with yourself, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's some people like a home run, like, like Robbie saying, it's not just either I hit a home run or I fall on my face. Get a third. Get a double. Yeah. You know? Stay yeah. in the pocket. Yeah. yeah and and, and that, that was honestly a game changer for me as well. Is Jason was a great coach programming-wise, but he didn't have a lot of game day experience. And uh, I brought on Matt Gary and Susie uh, Gary for 2017 Raw Nationals mm. because we, they coached me at Nationals in 2016 uh, and 2017. But um, I was like, I love your philosophy of just what you guys base everything on. And I want you guys to help me on game day. Mm-hmm. And those are great game day coaches. So anyone in the U.S. if you need a game day coach, dude, reach out to Matt Gary. Dude, or these, Matt, so we have Matt Gary on for some preview shows because nobody scouts like Matt Gary. It's fucking ridiculous, man. This guy has yeah. if if you're if you're his athlete, he has folders on all these fucking guys that you're going against. He knows the person. <laughs> he knows he. It, it's a little scary. I think he was CIA back in the day. Um, <laughs> he knows. He's like he's like Taylor percentage wise. You know, Blake misses 67% of his third dead. So, uh, historically speaking, <laughs> if we beat his second dead, we beat his, we beat, like, he knows this shit, about, but from top 10, right? He no, Nobody's right. creeping up out of nowhere. He'll crunch the numbers and ask percentages of what they miss, what they hit, whatever the shit. So, like, very, in terms of uh, game day, what can go wrong, the odd, he knows odds are this is what's going to happen every time. You know what right. I mean? And, and he's, he's not just, how you feel, son? 
five more kilo, let's load it. It's like, no, 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 no. He's, he, that's, oh, like, yeah. that's like 2005 game planning. This yep. cat is on another level. If, yeah. if that's what you're playing, you're playing checkers. Matt Gary's playing chess. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he loves oh, yeah. that shit. He loves game day shit. But, um, so so that, that, that has been another key aspect in my training and game day um, kind of strategy as well with Ben. Ben has that same philosophy, and he's able to really project. And uh, he has a great gift of just looking at you and seeing what you, how you're pressing, and, and kind of just knows what to look for to say he had. He probably has around five to ten kilos left mm-hmm. in him. Let's go a little conservative to make sure that he just gets a flip. Yeah. And dude, we we've, we've had now, I think like since 2017 nationals. Leading into worlds, I I maybe missed two lifts. Holy shit! And, and and you know I think you hit the nail on the head. Where there's something you said for, I think you got five kilo in you. We're gonna go two and a half, and I'll tell you why. If you red line that five and you fucking grind it out, empty the tank, you're gonna be a little gas moving into for for an extra two and a half kilo. You've really emptied That's- the tank. But if we keep you two and a half, it's gonna move. You'll work, but not quite register, and you just keep coming back. Keep exactly. coming, and then load that shit up on deads. Where, like, there is no next event. Fucking grind out as much as you want on that last dead. But there is something to be said for, don't empty the tank for two and a half kilo. You know, right. it, just stay just below it. Find out where, stay just in the pocket, and then come deads, we rock and roll. So after you smash that Arnold... And that Arnold was like a, a boom goes to die in my situation where everybody's talking about Taylor Atwood. You're out lifting guys and weight class up, and everybody's like, my God, if this guy brings this, and, and, the, and the cut, would we're talking like two kilo, it wouldn't have been, or less, wouldn't have been a big cut to your weight class. Um, everyone's like, my God, if he brings a total like that down to 74, what are we talking about here? So when that happened, what was the reception that you felt where you're like, holy shit? Yeah. So I hit, I, I think it was 775 and a half or something. Uh, so I put on like 25 kilos to my total um, within a matter of months. And people are like, how the fuck are you doing that? Given how, what they consider a quote unquote elite, uh, how are you doing that without being on, on something, yeah. right? And I'm like, dude, it's the, honestly the training and attempt selection. So, leading into Worlds after the Arnold, we saw now that we just, <laughs> we're on another playing field. Um, but leading into Worlds, I start looking at the nominations, uh, and I don't see Kel's name on there. I'm like, uh, maybe Norway is a little late with their submission. Uh, I'll give it a couple weeks. So finally, the final day of submission goes in, and I wake up the next morning, and Kel's name is not on there either. And this is the guy that has now motivated me to, to become, yeah. to become who or where I am now. It's like I've been training to beat him this year. This is a rematch. Like, this is a rematch, and I want my fucking rematch. Yeah. Like, let's fucking go. I'm ready to go. And his fucking name wasn't on the goddamn nomination list. So I reached out to him on Instagram, and I'm like, what's going on, man? Why are your name not on the list? He's like, oh, I'm injured. I'm training for equipped worlds, this and that. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, 
you're you're not giving me my chance to beat you. This year. I'm not trying to hear that right now. I was like, dude, if it's a money thing, I was like, I'll pay for your ass. <laughs> I will start a GoFundMe. <laughs> dude, I, and that's that's how serious I was. I I I was training because I didn't give him uh, probably the battle that he thought I was going to give him either yeah. because he beat me by 24 kilos in uh, 2017. So. He's thinking, oh, Taylor, what, whatever. Like, he's not going to give me a... I'm going after Oleg, the, the fucking 20-time equipped <laughs> national <laughs> champion. Yeah. He's never... Uh, yeah, Oleg isn't lost in, like... I don't think he's ever lost at the world stage. This dude's, he has been. He's a yeah. fucking... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I reached out to him, and I'm like, dude, when are you coming over to Raw? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, when are you coming over, dude? Because I, I, I want to beat you over here. But, yeah, like, um, but don't ask me to come to Equipped. <laughs> no, nah, I don't. I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's a lot easier to come over to Raw for than it sure. Is to go to a split. One hundred percent. But I, I, I was like, you know what? Um, his name wasn't on the list, so I'm like, all right, whatever. So I still had motivation going into it because I was, like, I'm, I'm now battling myself because I knew, uh, and this isn't just talking shit, but no one else was going to come close to my total. Um, it was just me and Kel. So knowing that he wasn't going to show up, I pretty much knew I had it in the bag. Um, so my motivation levels were high, but they weren't where they were. Like, cause I'm like, I'm looking for this battle against another Titan. Right? Yeah. And I was like, I, the thing it didn't come. So, um, we pushed it, but we didn't. We didn't need to push it as hard as we needed to push it, right? So our foot was kind of on the gas, but not all the way down. So uh, leading into it, I fucking had another flare up though uh, with my hip flexor. So <clears throat> that was about I want to say four weeks out, and I wasn't able to squat. Uh, I could deadlift with no pain, but no squatting. So I didn't get to squat over. I think it was like forty percent because we we wanted we didn't want to do anything to reaggravate it. Yeah, holy shit though, forty percent, dude, that's yeah. right. It was bad. It was bad. So, um, but we did a lot of great work leading up to that four weeks. So I, I didn't get detrained. Yeah, uh, leading to the world. So when I talked to you, we talked briefly before. My first squat, and you were like, "You going for the world record today?" And I'm like, "Honestly, I don't know." Yeah, you we'll were applying that tiger bomb. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. and you you were looking like, ah, look at your face, a little grimacing, like, ah shit, <laughs> ah shit. I didn't want to say that because you're about to lift, so you, I, I'm trying to act like it's totally normal, like, all right, man, you do yeah. your thing, but you're leaving like, oh fuck, I hope Taylor's okay because yeah. like, not again, not again. You know what I mean? Is what I'm right. thinking. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's fair. That's fair. Um, but I, we opened up with 255 or 250, uh, and it fucking flew. I had no no pain at all, and it felt great. So we we're like, all right, today's the day. Let's go. Uh, we went 275, and 275 was, I believe, five kilos above the world to, uh, record uh, by the Japanese. Uh, Yoshihiro, and then he came in and beat me by a kilo afterwards. But again, I'm not there to set individual records. 
Mm -hmm. I'm there to win in total. If I get an individual world record along the way, great. Uh, If I don't, I don't give a shit. Yeah. (laughs) I'll come in third on each of lists. I don't care as long as I'm winning in the end. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like you guys, you you won, you won track minded guys that are there for one lift. All power to you, but I'm beating your ass in total. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that that's kind of the mindset. Uh, so I'm not. If anyone, everyone asks me like, "Oh, are you sour about uh, the Japanese guy beating you?" I'm like, "No, I don't care about an individual lift. Like, it's great if I can get it, but I'm not there for an individual." And right? I wouldn't even use the term "beating you," my friend. The game wasn't over. That's like winning in the first quarter of a fucking game. <laughs> he beat you. In the first, he, he was ahead in the first quarter. He didn't right. beat me, man. We got three more quarters, man. Like, exactly. It's not like the Super Bowl. They were like, half time's up. We're ahead. Let's just fucking bounce now. Let's stop yeah. over ahead. If the lights go off, okay. But anyways, no, that's yeah. A, that's, a great, that's a great analogy. Um, so then leading to the bench, I got called on not locking my elbows fully when I unracked. So I didn't hit the numbers that I wanted, but we hit 190. And then on deadlifts, uh, we knew we had it in the bag with the first deadlift opener of uh, 277 and a half. So um, we went conservative on the second, and then we went balls to the wall on the third because we knew we had the, yeah. the, Might as well the play. World championship. Uh, so we jumped. I think I went to 95 on my second attempt, and we jumped to 310. And I'm like, and I this was this was me. Uh, because after my first squat, the way it moved uh, with 275, it fucking flew. And there's times where my second attempt, they my coaches based my third attempt on how my second moved. There's times where my central nervous system is truly not adapted yet to the training stimulus of that weight. So my second attempt looks slow, but it feels light. Yeah. So when I tell them that, they don't give a shit. They want to see how fast I can move. Um, because I, I'm at times, a lifter, they're not objective. Yes. And they're just in their feelings and, and kind of just off that adrenaline endorphin rush. Um, and they're like, I can do anything. But I was you about have to, to bring say. Them back, yeah, I was you about have to say, bring I, them back down. I kind of agree with that line of coaching. Like, you might be right, but they don't want to risk it with the world. So they're like, you know, I agree with that. Yeah. Exactly. So we went somewhat conservative on the third attempt. Uh, I had for sure 280 in me, uh, but we went on the conservative route, 275, and it was still a great lift, but it moved like fucking butter. Mm. So I was pissed. Like, because after he did beat uh, the Yoshihiro guy, did beat me by a kilo. It was a little sour, and I was like, dude, I had 280 in me. He, there's no way he would have hit 280. But, in the, like you said, the grand scheme, it's like, think the long term. So now I'm thinking long term. I'm like, you guys are fucking giving me 310 on devil. <laughs> <laughs> I told him that after my third attempt. I was like, I'll let you guys pick my three attempts on squat, but I'm picking my fucking third deadlift, and I'm going 310. And that's so, fair, because if their game plan is, we just want to win the Worlds, um, right. the Worlds is locked up, we all agree the Worlds locked up, now I get to play, right? Exactly. Like, now I get to play, Exactly. Yeah. 
So we went 310, and uh, unfortunately, I got it up to probably three-quarters of the way, and my grip just, I, I couldn't get it. So uh, grip gave out, and I dropped it. Um, so I ended up with a 758 total, which broke the 74-kilo IPF world record. Uh, so I'm the current world record in 74 in total, which is what I wanted. Yeah, because even, <laughs> uh, though, even though um, the Norwegian didn't show up, his numbers are in the books. And if you beat his numbers, well, there it is. That You know, like you've never lifted what I lifted. And to throw it on top of that, if you wanted to increase even further, you wouldn't go 310. You're like, just to throw more kilos on the total to make a bigger spread. I could have went more conservative my last dead. I didn't have to, so we had fun. But if you're like, fuck it, I just want to increase the overall total world record. Knock five kilo off that dead and just throw more onto that if you wanted exactly. to. So, yeah. Uh, and that, that was our strategy too. It's like, all right, on our second attempt, we're going to now break the world record total. So we'll have that in the bag, and then on your third attempt, let's play. Yeah. Well, then you got everything. Yeah, the world record. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's done what you did, so no one can say, "Well, so and so didn't show up." Well, so and so's never lifted this either. And you right. the world record. And now it's like, all right, now let me just fucking have a little fun here. Exactly. So uh, yeah, I, I, that was my first world championship, and uh, after coming in second my prior two years. It was bittersweet, given that Kel wasn't there, but nonetheless, it was it was way more sweet. No, <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah, for, the sweet's <laughs> a little sweeter than the bitter, I'm sure. Uh, so, yeah, I, I could officially call myself a world champion, IPF world champion, and regardless of if no one outside of powerlifting cares what that means, um, it meant the world to me, no pun intended. Uh, and it was... It was uh, it was a culmination of all the years that I failed. And that's another point I'd like to hit on is everyone looks at me now to, at the level that I'm at, uh, but I started this journey back in 2014. And even though I won my first national, um, when, I, when I went into 2015 world in Colleen, I lost. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm not invincible, you know? Uh, then I lost again the next year, and a lot of a lot of people see the success that I have currently because I'm starting to become relevant in social media and whatnot. But it, it's <laughs> it's been years in the making. It, it hasn't happened overnight. And any lesson that I want to give to you guys as uh, beginners and even uh, uh, advanced lifters is. Don't think it comes overnight because it doesn't. Mm. Uh, I've had to work my fucking ass off to get to where I'm at right now. And I'm continuing to work my ass off to stay at this level. It doesn't just, I, I'm not just coasting. I'm, I'm now, I set the bar here and now I'm trying to raise it to where I think it should be. And then I'm going to continue to try to raise that bar. So the journey never stops. It's just you continue to get better. Um, and it never gets, it doesn't get any easier either. Uh, so anyone that wants to become a champion, just know that I'm working my ass off. Uh, so I hope you are too. And, and uh, well said. And I think it's also important to know one of the turning points was um, you weren't just the athlete doing whatever was told and not having that communication with your coach. You actually had that communication and said, hey, 
let's change some things up. Let's investigate. Mm-hmm. Let's move on things. How often do people just, you know, offer that communication? Don't just stay silent because they don't necessarily know either. Like you have to open it up yeah. and, and work as a team. And right. your coach was humble enough to consult with somebody else and be like, yeah. what do you think about this? You know, I don't have no, there is no such thing as someone who knows everything, you know, including the lifter himself is like, I don't even fucking know myself. I respond to everything for sure. We got a trial and error. We got to work right. things out on the fly sometimes, you know, everyone's got to be humble enough to be open to do these things. Um, yeah. And that's a huge, like, it's funny as your, your turning point. Now, big takeaway, looking toward the future when you said, um, okay, got the world record, got the recognition, that Arnold classic literally is a classic performance. Um, so you've had like from the big performances people are going to talk about to the world title and a lot of checks by your name. But something recently happened in terms of the powerlifting landscape, which shifts some rivalries now. If yeah. if uh, Kale doesn't come back and you're like, well, who's a rival? Who's going to push me? The, the Wilkes formula is out. Yeah. And the new formula's in. And all of a sudden, this shakes up a lot of shit, doesn't it? Now, all of a sudden, Taylor Atwood can walk into the worlds and be like, I could be pound for pound the best lifter in the world. Like, yeah. my rivals are Brett Gibbs. My yeah. rivals, like, these are the dudes you're chasing down now. The Russell Orhees, et cetera, on the pound for pound level. Um, what does that change for you? And how do you see this thing playing out? Do you like the new one? You probably like the new formula. I think. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> but, uh, but there are some dudes who go from like like Ray Williams, number one, to like 100, 100. Yeah. However, there's that argument to be made where it's like, well, pound for pound, the man moving the most poundage is going to be you, Ray. I don't think you got to be, I don't think, how many accolades do you need? You know, I mean, how many, you're the strongest man. Like you've got, you're the strongest man in the world when it comes to powerlifting. You don't need too many more. So I don't, I think he's all right. You know, I think those super heavyweights, yeah. you're probably okay. My, this first thousand pound squatter, you're the guy who's making ESPN, you know, the right, mainstream exactly. shit. You're all right. So I personally <laughs> like the new formula. Um, I'm thinking you do too, but how does this help set up some new goals for you? Yeah, no, this, that's a great, that's a great point. Uh, because we're not now only trying to be, we're training for world again here, um, in June. Uh, so we, we have that on the docket and Kel said that he's going as well. So. Oh shit. Wow. Okay. This is going to be a good world stuff. Let's hope that we both stay healthy and yeah. we can put on a show. But, um, no, it's like you said, I, I put my formula, my points up to the raw uh, men's open and the only one to beat me is Sergey and that was back in his 2015 total mm. so my current total if I'm projected where I should be projected I do have that chance to be the strongest in the world this year uh, which would be another dude box, the right? champion of champions at the fucking world championships that's that, big that would be Huge, and I've always just wanted. That was a goal of mine. Like, uh, it was a lower goal on my list, but it's still a goal to finish top three. And I, I uh, Brett Gibbs out edged me by like maybe two points last year. Fractions, um, yeah. Fraction, yeah. And I could, I could have beat him if I didn't go the three ten on dead for 
third attempt. But nonetheless, he beat me, and I was like, fuck. I, I didn't know what he was going to do. That's so. a hard thing to cr- – exactly. That's a hard thing to project, right, uh, ahead yeah. of time. Exactly. So I was like, if I finish top three, great. This is a great performance, nonetheless. Uh, I finished five fifty something with Wilkes, so I'm good. I'm happy. Um, but now, it's like it's a completely game. It's a complete game changer, knowing that I have a chance to be the strongest at Worlds this year. It would be like, in terms of your resume. Um... And in terms of your story in general, which is turning into a really good story, like all this background stuff, you know, like the traveling, like a lot of local people will never experience what it's like showing up and you don't have this visa and you're flying into Russia, sitting there 18 hours. <laughs> like this is the shit that like when you're, if you're reading the autobiography, this is the juice that builds up a showdown. And then the rivalry, oh, then this dude who I didn't think was going to beat me, beat me. And then he doesn't show up. And now I'm chasing him. I'm like, fuck, I beat his score. Now he wants to take it back. We have a trilogy. This is the rubber match. And then some shifting. So all these check boxes in terms of like world record check. In terms of like world champions check. Possible pound for pound. Like pound for pound would mean like you're the Floyd Mayweather of our sport. That's right. fucking, that's something a lot of people wouldn't get. To be a world champion is amazing. To be on the podium mm-hmm. is amazing. To be like the Floyd Mayweather where like I'm standing on top of all the champions. There's me. That's like a whole nother, you know, so... When you're checking all these things off, let's say it all goes to plan and it's that, and, and then to boot, you beat the guy who's your arch rival. Afterwards, is there a point where you think you'll be quote unquote satisfied and make shit, man? Like, I, that, I cl- that's Mount Everest. I climbed it. Or do you think, you know, it might be something you can only ask when you get on the other side of that mountain, but, um, it, or is it that I got to build a dynasty? I'm like Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan. I want fucking repeat back to back to. I want to do. I want to build a dynasty. Like, do, do, what do you think? Do, do, it's the fight because the fire's in there now because you're right in the thick of a fucking big accomplishment. But do, do what do you see for yourself? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question, man. Um, and I I know what you want me to say. <laughs> <laughs> It's loaded, isn't it? It's a loaded question. That's what we call a loaded question. <laughs> um, honestly, man, like we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. But I, what I will say is, let's say all that does go to plan, I will certainly sit back, talk to my camp, evaluate what what uh, what we want. Uh, we certainly do. We're chasing Jesse Norris's points now. If that, if everything goes to plan, uh, that guy was a fucking freak. Is a freak. Yeah. Uh, but we're chasing his his points score for to be all time. Yeah. Great. Not just all the world. So there's time. another one. So you could be pound the the best lifter of worlds, and then you even have the all time greatest. It's it's a it's a hell of a and and here's another. Talking point, like perspective is everything, obviously, in life in general. But that formula change changed the perspective of Jesse Norris. Right. You know, where he's, yeah. that's it. He Like, when you say, is Jesse Norris the GOAT? And it's like, well, he never won. Like, we're talking, he never won Worlds, never, you know, et cetera. Like, he did his junior quit, but I mean, open Worlds, whatever. But then it changes his standing. We say, well, he did have the single greatest performance we've ever seen. Ever. 
Well, that changes the perspective, right? Like, yeah, like I previously I was like, I can't put him as goat if he's never won worlds, never etc. Like a lot of checks. But when you turn around and say, here's a new perspective: the greatest performance we've ever had in our sport was Jesse Norris. And now I have to be like, wow, fuck, man, that's a tough <laughs> one. To, to, that's a tough one to argue against, right? Um, he he fucking he is the legit one hit wonder. Yeah, well, he yeah, has- he's. He's our yeah, fucking what's Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, man. And it, uh. but it was such a big hit. We're talking Michael Jackson thriller hit, sir. Yeah. Right? Yes. We're talking yeah. thriller. Fuck Justin yeah. Bieber. We're talking Michael Jackson. <laughs> okay, if you want a one hit. So it changes oh, things. If Michael oh, Jackson man. pieced out after thriller, we're still talking about him. You know? Like, you know, we're putting <laughs> we're putting respect on his name. You know oh, what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> so um, it's a hell of a hit, but uh, but but it changes things now. You're right. You're right. Close. You're within swinging distance. Yep. Yep. I don't know if I know game planning. You guys are probably thinking. I don't know if worlds. You're going to do the calculation, and you don't risk a world title in or in in the rematch. Uh-huh. You know, you got a lot. You got you got you got meats on your docket to do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, our number one goal this year is to win. One world, um, and that's the post the highest total possible. Yeah. Uh, with what's given on that day, yeah. so uh, that's that's our number one goal. Everything else, again, like I've said, is cake. It, it's gravy on top. Uh, but if I do get that and those accolades, that's that's great, so, man. I, I'm, I'm happy. What do you think? I don't know if you did answer the question or if it was more. Let me call it when I see it. But do you? What was the answer to that question? <laughs> <laughs> We're dancing right now. We're dancing. You did. You danced me around the room a couple times. <laughs> You're good, man. That's right. You're good. I did my best politician. That's that right. Answer. What What are you um, thinking? Yeah. So let's I mean, say let's say we uh, we hit the numbers that we want this year. Ah. <sighs> I'm, I'm probably, I think it's inevitable to move up to 83s. Oh, shit. I think, I think it is. Uh, and, and that's, if, if I'm able to beat Kel this year in Worlds, I think I solidify myself as the best 74 raw uh, lifter. Um, and I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's on to the next challenge, yeah. Which is Russ and Brett. That, my friend, if you, if you, do, if this plays out like that, and um, and we'll see where the Wilkes or no, excuse me, pardon me, IPF formula puts you. You know, you start winning champion champions, or you, or you're, or that, you know, you're chasing a Jesse Norris. If you move up, that would be an absolutely fucking super hype showdown to another whole nother like. You know, that's champion versus champion. That's moving up, trying to be the champ champ. Conor McGregor style. Excited. Um, Would you wait until you hit the Jesse Norris um, formula total? Because it'd be tougher moving up at 83. Would you want to hit that goal before you move up? Or would you be like, "Eh, after Worlds? Well, so this is the thing. It it would be a gradual move up. Like, I'm, I'm not expecting after... Uh, world this year if I win um, 
and I decide to move up to 83s, I'm not expecting to beat Russ at 20 this year's Nationals if yeah. I move up to 83. Uh, that's not what I'm expecting. If it happens, it happens. But if, if it doesn't, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to probably take what uh, Bryce Lewis did with, with probably a couple years under his belt, building his muscle mass and really filling out the class. Because Russ and Brett, I believe, walk around like, shit, 190. Yes. If you're walking around <laughs> 170, like, yeah, that's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 120, uh, 166 pounds, 167 yeah. pounds right now. That's a like, big they're, difference, sir. They're, yeah. they're fucking 23, 24 pounds heavier than me. Yeah. So they got a lot of muscle mass on them. Yeah. Uh, so it would probably take me a good two years to truly fill out that class. Um, however, along the way, do I expect my total to jump? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, and it will be relative to my my weight. I'm not going to eat like a fat ass. I'm going to do it very methodically yeah. <laughs> and thought out. Like like when you're playing for the CFL, you were saying, and you look like a chipmunk. <laughs> when I, I see you, I'm like, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to turn into the fucking chipmunk. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's certainly in the cards and something that I toy with. All the time, man. But first, so, we gotta first. You want to see, and it's fair enough. What happens at Worlds can dictate, and because yeah. there's things to be done at seventy four. Exactly. So, so I, I don't want to put the the horse before the cart. So yeah. we we're certainly going to be focused, and that's what my focus is right now is seventy fours, uh, and beating Kiel this year, uh, and, and taking taking my title. My friend, yeah. I already got a, a beautiful storyline for the worlds when I do the commentating and I love a story. I love, um, like you, like, you know, I love hyping that shit when I'm commentary. Oh, I yeah. love oh, yeah. doing the rivalries. Like when they pan on me with the camera and I say the storyline leading in the big showdown and the whole nine, this is fucking beautiful. Now I just did a whole lot of research right now. <laughs> there you go. Right? We got and some good sound bites. Yeah, that's what I'm here for to give you. Because I, I honestly, man, like I feel that stories like this need to be told, and not just my story, other lifters' stories as well. And as a commentator, it's your job to know these stories. Yeah. Uh, personally, that's how I feel. Because yeah. you think of Dennis Siri and the non-justice that he did for me at Nationals, like that was like a, a slap in the face to me, and my like to me. Like, how do you not know when you're commentating a weight class that this guy is the reigning national champion or the three-time national champion yeah. or, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, how, how do you not know that? So as a commentator, it's your job to do this homework Literally. and, and to understand each weight class, if that's what you're going to be commentating on what each of those lifters bring to the table and kind of some of the hype because that builds the sport. People want to watch. 100%. Listen, sports is nobody gives a shit about a game that um, has no storylines. You have no horse in the race. I got it. I'll, I'll make it up for you. Like if number two is so far behind you, it becomes how far can Taylor go? When, when Brett started pulling away from Russell, it became, can he do it? Can he be the first man 83 kilo to hit it 10 times? Uh, total. You have storylines that you you milk them. 
and you create suspense. Even if there isn't suspense, you do your best. Um, but this one's going to be phenomenal. Uh, you're, you're making the food easy for everybody to eat, right? So um, I'm excited. Um, listen, we had you on for an hour 15 right now. And dude, you're, yep, yep. You're, I like having you on because you're good at storytelling and, and creating a narrative for us to follow. I think anybody who listens to this is going to be hype as shit for these worlds. Um, so as usual, thank you for coming on. Good luck in training. But before we let you go, is there people yep. that you want to thank, sponsors, and for people who hear this and like, I want to fucking follow this guy. I want to follow his journey. Uh, where do they find you? Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. That's pretty much I post the most on uh, at T underscore Atwood. Just type in Taylor Atwood. I'm sure you'll find me. Um, my sponsor is DeNovo Nutrition. That's where I get all my supplements from. Um, and then my training is uh, the Strength Guys. So if you're interested in coaching uh, and, and from myself or Ben or Jason, uh, you can reach out to us there. And then SBD Apparel uh, is my apparel sponsor or equipment sponsor. And uh, people that I like to thank, I, I honestly just like to thank my coaches, man, coaches and and my dad, uh, and and the support that they've given me over this journey um, and continue to give me. And thank you guys for having me on, dude. Thank you for coming on, my friend. The door is always open to come back. Keep us in the loop and uh, good luck with training. Thank you, man. See you later. So there you have it. Taylor Atwood, huge goals. Um, And one thing, a big takeaway there, you notice from him, is that champion's mentality. Oh, yeah. uh, But I love how, so every every year things just ramp up for him. From winning nationals to now starting to create a dynasty. But for him now, nationals is really, I win nationals, I'm on the world team. I'm on the world team, I go to the world's. First two years, and he was close, but just didn't make it. Number two, right close. And now we have that showdown, the rematch um, with Kale from no- from Norway, Possible champion of champions, and they're looking to the future. Like, this is juicy. Good story, yeah. This is juicy. This <laughs> is a good story, and he's, he's really good at telling stories. I would love if he had, like, you know, if he blogged, yeah, fucking sensational blog. Although... He might not want everybody to know him coming in with an injury. <laughs> you know? It's more of a good story to say after the fact, right? You don't want to tell him, hey, I had a crazy weight cut. Not sure about this. Like, you can't. But the story afterwards, that shit would be a phenomenal autobiography. I think that's the thing that you need to see is when people post things on Instagram, you only see the highlights. You don't see the parts. Like he said, like, 100%. Like, bad, bad travel. 100%. Like, and when we say bad travel, not just long travel. In uh, an overlay in a foreign country that's not necessarily like an overlay in Canada, okay, but in Russia when you're an American and yeah. 18 hours and just the, like when I try to tell people, some people say um, a world record should be able to be broken anywhere because weight is weight. Yeah. So who cares if it happened at an international level? Because in IPF, they only recognize a world record at an international level. And people say, who cares? Weight is weight. Doesn't matter if it happens next door at a local meet or or in Timbuk or like not Timbuk if it happens in like way out in Europe it does matter because yes. and, and people like I don't want to hear excuses someone had a bad lift at Worlds listen if all you ever lifted is in your own backyard and experience your own home cooking and you just had to cut weight in your own house and just had to all the all the meat directors and all the officials 
calling your squats and stuff are locals that you know. Yeah. It's a whole other ball game when you got to go through what Taylor just explained. And I don't want to sound like a broken record of people who listen to podcasts. Yes, it is different. You know, yeah. yes, it is. Sure. Fly all over the world. Go through the shit that the like, stressful shit that you have to. Yes, it does happen. And if you've got to cut weight or whatever the shit in Belarus looking for water with no sodium in it and the whole nine distilled water, these are these are issues. And international judges that yeah. don't give a fuck what country you're from. You know, yeah. there, there are three yeah. people who've never even heard. Don't give a shit. And they're calling your squats and stuff, you know? like It's usually the top judges as well, too. For the they're strict. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, they take... Look, at, for them to get international, the, the level of testing and exams they had to get to get that far and with the world watching and the streams are huge they want to hold the standard they're not letting them fly because they're like excuse me very much it's hard for me to get here and the world's watching and nobody's getting a free squad on me so if I'm not sure convince me it's yes it is different of course it's different it's not like a local meet that's why it's hard that's why the IPF makes it like that uphold the standard so it kills me when people say weight is weight it shouldn't matter you know, yeah. fuck. The competition, too. It, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> deal with five guys who could beat you on any given day or deal with nobody's there and you just got to worry about yourself. Taylor was saying, he's like, bro, we're at a local meet and I just got to post up numbers. We're just having fun. But when it's close and I miss a lift and oh my God, now anyone in the top five could possibly beat me. And you got to go 100% too. Sometimes people on the smaller stages yeah. save a little bit in the tank. It's up to, to surprise you. Yeah. There's, there's too many factors, right? Like for people to, it's not that easy. So, um, yeah, great discussion points with Taylor. Um, and he's, he's a good ambassador of the sport. I'm excited as shit uh, to see what he does at Worlds. And just like Taylor said, and I can't say it enough, please, people should hear these stories and hear about our stars like Taylor. Not only just to hear a story, but to get a glimpse of what these people have to go through. To hear the background of what these people go through to get to that top stage and maintain it. It's not easy. So please share this in your Instagram stories. Give us high ratings. Follow these lifters. Support the sport. Much thank you. Until next time, from Six Pack Lapidat and Robbie Little. How do people follow you on Instagram, sir? I'm on uh, Instagram on RobbieFST. And Robbie will be blogging for us. In terms of, he works with athletes in terms of mobility. He's going to be blogging for us, giving some insights on mobility and working with athletes, not just powerlifters. Robbie works with like from fighters to uh, football, hockey, you fucking name it. You've yeah. seen it all, which helps. We're just talking about experience and that's that's what it is, man. You've got to see yeah. a big sample size to know what you're dealing with. Yeah. So until next time, thank you very much. Hope you like the show. Peace.